Welcome to the 10th episode of the Disney Cruise Line Blog Podcast. Today we're going to discuss packing for a Disney cruise. I think uh, we'll just start off the top with the most important thing you'll need to get, you'll need to pack, and what you need to have the most lead time for are your travel documents, such as your government-issued uh, IDs, passports, if you're going on a closed-loop cruise, a uh, birth certificate, all depending on uh, your nationality and where you live and all that good stuff. There's a lot of great information on what you need. Disney offers that on their website, but uh, U.S. Department of State website has the latest travel restrictions and documentation requirements. Uh, but what's a, how long did it take for us to get our passports once we sent in the application? So maybe about a month, somewhere in there. But anyway, the point is, if you're planning a cruise well out and you choose to get a passport or need to get a passport, make that your uh, a priority. Also, for your birth certificates, they have to be, uh, they have to have the raised seal on them. Is that correct? Yes. So, you know, just go through and make all those double checks well before because that's not something you want to do you know the last you know definitely not the day of or the last couple days before you head out to the port uh you're going to need make sure you have all the documentation in order well beforehand so if something doesn't isn't in order you have more than enough time to get it so you don't have to pay like you don't have to pay the expedited fees for passports or any of that stuff you know, we're not getting to get into specifics on, you know, like clothing to pack and, you know, because it's really dependent on where you're going, the kind of clothes you typically would take anyway on a vacation. Uh, however, we, we do have, we, we have kind of, Emily kind of developed a worksheet of sorts that just kind of helps us plan out, you know, our day-to-day activities that we're kind of have pre-planned and what kind of clothes we may need for each day and, also, what kind of clothes to match the uh, dinner attire if we're going to Remy or Paolo. It, uh, it's kind of evolved over time, but it becomes really helpful when we're, you know, going through the closet and trying to figure out what we need to pack. So I kind of came up with this cruise packing worksheet by just making, you know, essentially boxes on a legal pad um, because basically I didn't want to forget anything. Um, I, I have it into two separate parts of the day. So I have kind of what you're doing during the day and then the dinner. And so that was helpful for me to remember like, oh, well, we have pile of brunch, so I need to bring something for that. Um, and oh, you know, how many formal nights am I formal nights, et cetera. So it's, if you're a type A personality person, you would like it cause you can kind of plan everything out, but it doesn't have to be that way either. Um, you don't have to follow it to a T. I just was you know, doing it so that essentially we didn't forget anything. So I find it to be helpful. I write down what we're doing during the day, whether it be brunch or an excursion or something of that nature. Um, And then, you know, for dinner, whether it's cruise casual, formal, you know, et cetera. So, you know, it's, it's helpful if you want to use it. Um, And then, then you are better off not forgetting things. Now, the other part of packing is all the ancillary items other than clothes. It's I've got a list that I'll link to in the show notes, just a generalized list of, you know, 
different things that you may already consider, but you know, it's a starting list where you can build off of for your specific family and where you're going. I mean, we've, we've got a list that we've been tweaking over the years and it works for us. It's, you know, our specific list, I'm sure, will not work for everybody. And it certainly has to be tweaked depending on the region because we're used to the Bahamas Caribbean cruises when we went to Iceland. I mean, there were definitely things that we had to tweak. So, yeah, I mean, you'll definitely have to tweak it for your family. And we have a bag of stuff that's already, you know, our, a cruise bag, which has a lot of our just cruise stuff already in. But this is, I'll include a list, to the, a link to this list in the uh, show notes just so you can kind of download it and kind of go through it. Uh, all right. I do want to point out a couple of the more, you know, bigger items on the list that may not be so obvious that we have found useful over the years. So some of the things that um, Scott has on his, you know, must packing list, um, I'm just going to, list a couple of them and then Scott you can kind of give your commentary we talked about travel documents already that's on there um, one is a watch um, I know that a lot of people like to kind of just go with the flow but when you're in ports <laughs> you definitely want to have that watch so a watch is important um, travel mugs highlighters sun protection cash a sweater uh, medications seasickness aids, a raincoat or a poncho, trash bags, um, alcoholic beverages, of course, that fit within the current limits, and then um, thank you cards, return address labels, and air fresheners. So, Scott, do you want to kind of expound on any of these that, uh, why you put these on your absolutely do not forget list? Yeah, I say watch, but I know, I know just walking around the ship, a lot of people, as we've evolved, more or less, we've got a camera that has a clock on. We're carrying smartphones either. Even if they're in airplane mode, they still have the clock on. But, you know, bare bones, a watch is very helpful, even if you're not trying to do anything. I mean, there's not very many clocks around the ship. And with the uh, scheduled activities in the Navigator, if I mean, it's pretty awesome if you're just going on a cruise and you don't need to care what time it is at all during the day. That's pretty awesome. We did but, a cruise like that, and it is awesome. I mean, you know. But it's really important when you're out, you know, on land. You know, if you're not with a uh, organized excursion, where they'll bring you back to the ship and you're just going to get on, or if you're going out and walking around the port area, it's very helpful to know what time it is, you know. And additionally, it's depending on where you go and time of year and where you're sailing, uh, ship time may be different than the local time. I we can countered that one time in Mexico where we were an hour different might've been in Costa Maya one time. Uh, so that was helpful to have, you know, ship time on my wrist versus, uh, depending on looking at the clock on shore. The travel mugs we like because, um, you know, our family, yes, Disney offers the free quote unquote soda and our family is not soda drinkers, but I do like to have the travel mug in the morning to take to the gym with me, um, to have my water with me so that I don't have to fill up one of those small paper cups. It's helpful for coffee. It's helpful for if you do want to use the, um, I guess, I don't know, Coke machine, Coke taps, whatever you want to call them, lemonade. 
Um, drink station. Yeah, the drink station. There you go. Um, it's helpful for that. So uh, travel mugs are great. Of note, our family also takes, um, we have a travel size of dish soap, like Dawn Palmolive, so that we can wash those travel mugs out in the sink. So that is something that's awesome. We don't really use the highlighters much anymore, but the highlighters are good for the navigators. So, um, you know, people that want to not miss something, it's good for that. Scott, do you have anything to add about the travel mugs or the highlighters? Yeah. You know, it may seem very wasteful, but when you're using your travel mugs at the drink station, use the disposable, you know, cups at the drink station to pour into your travel mug. It's a hygiene issue with the ship. And, you know, if the ship happened to have inspectors on board and they saw you just filling it directly into your, you know, travel mug or, you know, you're refilling a cup you already had, they can actually get, you know, penalized for that. So it's not, you know, in this case, it, you kind of need to be wasteful just for the overall health of everybody on board. I mean, it goes, it's not really a packing thing, but it kind of goes with the taking travel mugs and then keeping everybody. I do like to have the big, the bigger mug though than those little paper cups. Yeah, because so. it's nice not having to go back and refill your drink every. The other thing is to have it to take on land for excursions. I know when we go into the ports, we always fill up with ice water before we go so that we stay hydrated. So, you know, some of the ports are a little sketchy with water. Ah, uh, uh, Mexico. <laughs> so, um, you know, having a travel mug or a Yeti or an Orca cooler or some sort of thermos that keeps your ice water cold is super helpful. Um, I'm going to talk about sun protection because that's one of the things we listed. Um, I am very a very strong sun protection person. I'm not overzealous about it, uh, but I do require Isabel and I to wear the rash card shirts. I think those are super important because those are usually UPF 50 or higher. Um, and then the one thing that people forget about sunscreen is that you need to apply it 15 to 30 minutes before you're exposed to the sun. So it kind of does a disservice when I see those parents at the pool decks putting the spray sunscreen on their child and then they get immediately into the pool. So um, it's a good idea before you go up to breakfast at Cabanas or go on your excursion, go ahead and apply that sunscreen in the room. Um, so I, I am, you know, a firm believer on that. The other thing is that, um, your sunscreen should be SPF 30. It could be 45, but there's, you know, evidence that shows that it doesn't, you know, anything higher than that is, it doesn't really matter. That being said, our family typically purchases, you know, some stuff that's 70 because of what we like. So I usually put sunscreen on myself and Isabel. Well, she puts her own on and Scott puts his own on before we leave the room. And then I happen to like a product called Neutrogena Wet Skin. Um, Scott can link it from Amazon if he wants to. I like the wet skin product because you can spray it on when you're wet. And it does work because Isabel's nine years old and lives in Florida and has been here since she's five weeks old and she has never had a sunburn. She did have rosy cheeks once that was questionable, but she's never actually had a burn. So, um, you know, it's important if you use the spray sunscreen for your initial application that you make sure you spread it all over. It's not meant to kind of be sprayed on. You should actually use your hand to rub it in. Um, but that Neutrogena Wet Skin is an amazing product. It works very well. They also make a beach defense product, which is really cool too because it helps repel the sand and you can spray it on. Um, so two great 
Neutrogena products. Certainly I get no kickback or anything from them, but just happen to be products that, that we like. And Scott actually uses the Neutrogena Sport because uh, he, he likes that one as well. So um, we usually get it at the warehouse clubs, you know, kind of when it's on a coupon. But off the soapbox, don't forget your sun protection because it is an exorbitant price when you're on the ships. So um, I just, I bring a gallon size Ziploc bag with a variety of things. We use the stick on our face. We have scalp sunscreen. Um, it's better to bring more than you need when it comes to sunscreen because buying that, you're just going to go to the gift shop with the sad face like, yes, I seriously have to buy this. And it's really going to cost me $16. So um, that's that's my thing on, on sun protection. The other thing we have on that list is cash, important for tipping. Um, room service, you can add cash. You can add a, I'm sorry, you can add a tip um, on the receipt. If they give you one, that doesn't always happen. So that's on there. A sweater, because on the ship, sometimes the air conditioning can be cool. And I can tell you that Scott has forgotten, <laughs> um, I'm using air quotes, forgotten to bring something to keep him um, warm on the ship. So we had to buy something. So Scott, has that ever happened to you before? I, I mean, I have some very nice Disney Cruise Line sweatshirts and night golf apparel. I don't know what you're talking about. And Isabel brings them as well. So we the, the girls always come prepared. Um, medications, including seasickness aids. I can tell you that our family has not had that issue before. When Isabel was little, I wasn't sure how she was going to react, so I did have her wear the C-bands that you can buy. Um, but medications, we always make sure we have a supply of, you know, Tylenol, ibuprofen, Sudafed, you know, things of that nature to take care of, like, typical ailments, like if you were to have a headache or a fever, some sort of body ache or nasal congestion, things of that nature. Because, again, trying to find and purchase what you need is expensive and they may not have what you need. I also always travel with children's Benadryl because Scott has a shellfish allergy. Um, so he can glug, glug, glug that down if necessary. And I also bring the kids versions of the medicines as well. So, um, um, raincoats slash poncho. Um, that's really, I mean, that's more dependent on where you're going. Obviously that could be, prove useful in Alaska and Norway, you know, depending on where your excursions might take you. If you think you, and even in the Caribbean, uh, you know, if you think you might be out and don't want to get wet, we've been on excursions in the Caribbean where been in open air buses and it's raining, which I wish we would have had rain coats with us that time. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things. If you think about it and you have space, it's kind of nice to have. Uh, but it's also kind of dependent on where you're going on your cruise. And two raincoats can also double as kind of like windbreakers for the uh, layered effect in colder weather, like a lot on your excursions up in Alaska. Uh, um, we have trash bags for Scott you have there because you want to cover your camera bag. Yeah, the trash bags are kind of like the... Uh, you know, we're packing at the last minute and may have some like wet swimsuits from the, you know, your, our, you know, our last day at Castaway Key where you need to pack and 
wet swimsuits or, I mean, there have been times where we've gotten off the ship and it's been raining out and it's been, you know, we had the big, you know, those big black contractor trash bags thrown in the suitcases. You can just throw their suitcases so the suitcases don't get, you know, soaked through and get everything inside all wet. It's just, you know, something we've always thrown in like those outside pockets of the uh, suitcases. It doesn't take much room, but they're always kind of there if you need something to wrap up either wet clothes, you know, in your suitcase or throw it over a bag if you're, you know, out someplace. I'll make it on the last two. Um, the thank you cards and the return address labels. So you get uh, the last time in your cruise, you get the luggage tags, and it's just easy to pop on a return address mailing label so you don't have to fill it out. If anything, it just saves you a little bit of time. I mean, we have tons of those. People, charities usually send, you know, folks free ones. So it's just nice to bring on a few um, just to save you some time. And then the thank you cards, I've kind of always written those out and then putting the tip envelopes inside when you're on a cruise of, you know, usually seven nights or more and you get to know your serving team. It's just kind of a nice touch, you know, to show them that, you know, you really appreciate it or write them a little note. It's certainly not required, just some of the nice touches that, you know, we like to do, we've done over the years. Um, kind of looking at our other packing, or, you know, our actual packing list that we use, some of the things that come to mind are, um, we have a waterproof camera, and Scott can link to, um, you know, kind of a good waterproof camera. We've had two, we went through one, and then, believe it or not, when we were snorkeling at St. John, Scott went a little deep. It was only, you know, for a certain amount of feet deep, and Scott went a little deeper. I think I went 10 feet down. Yeah, and the pressure, I think it was a Fuji camera, and the pressure was just too much, and it it cracked it. So um, I'll have him link to our waterproof camera. It's not a super expensive one, but it is one that, um, you know, we use and, and we really love. So that's something that we definitely don't want to forget. Isabel can tell you about the time that um, we took the waterproof camera, but what what was forgotten, Isabel? The battery charger. <laughs> and was the camera fully charged when you got it? Nope. No. And so when we forgot the battery charger, what happened? Camera died and we couldn't charge it. That's right. So it sucks when you're on a seven-night cruise and you don't have your full battery fully charged and forget the charger. Um, a couple of other things that I, as I'm perusing the list, um, is that Scott uses an electric razor. So that's something that I kind of highlight on our list so that we don't forget it the morning of the cruise. I'm sure Scott would love to not shave for a week, but the rest of the family would prefer him to shave. So that's definitely on there. Um, I can tell you a few things I've forgotten. Uh, for those of you that have listened to the podcast or read the blog, you know that I work out at the gym or run when I'm on the cruises and the, this is going to sound crazy, but the one cruise I forgot the workout headbands, uh, you know, like the stretchy headbands and it absolutely drives me crazy to have hair in my face. So, uh, I, I felt myself struggling. So that's something that I added to the list that I made sure, um, that I didn't forget. And also it's super important to make sure that you have undergarments. So, this didn't happen to us on a cruise, but we did forget to bring underwear once for Isabel on a trip. And luckily we were close to an outlet mall and we stopped and bought her some, but it's not easy to do when you're on the ship. I mean, you can buy the Disney princess underwear, but, um, you know, 
those kind of things are super, super important. So um, just various things that you, what you have room for that you think you might need and that you might even have a, a travel size of. But I do definitely have my certain few things that I make sure that, that we have with us at all times. I mean, going back, you know, I learned that lesson. You know, I had the camera, I had the memory cards, I had the battery in the camera, but going in the closet, I grabbed my main battery charger, but not the battery charger for the re for the under for the waterproof camera. So now what I do is I set them all out, and you know I don't pack the camera until I make sure I have the right charger for that specific camera battery. I mean it's a little it's a little uh, overkill now, but you know I've learned my lesson going on a trip that was snorkeling intensive every day and we didn't have a waterproof camera with us but it's the same goes with any other kind of electronics whether you're taking your phones you know uh book readers whatever the case is just you know make sure you have the right charging cables ahead of time because you go on a land vacation it's not too hard to you know get a ride someplace to buy a charger when you're going on a cruise, it's a little harder to, you know, get the chargers for your specific camera and battery. You can't just run out to the uh, big box store, get an Uber over to the big box store. Well, and truthfully, Scott, <coughs> in the Caribbean, you could get some gray market stuff, right? Yeah. What is that? I mean, truthfully, you could go in Grand Cayman or Cozumel or St. Thomas and get yourself a charger, but do you really want to do that? Nope. Probably not. Probably not. So those are kind of the hints for packing. You know, we've, we're lucky in the sense that we drive over to the port, so our restrictions are kind of negligible. But, you know, we have had to fly to... Um, San Juan to do a Southern and fly to um, Copenhagen to get on a European cruise. So we were definitely able to adjust this uh, to adjust our packing to, to those ports and to being able to fly. I mean, we have one suitcase that we actually refer to as the monster because I think empty, it's heavy. It's and probably big. 10 to 15 pounds empty. So, I mean, there's no way that with size and weight restrictions that's ever getting on a plane. But we love it for Port Canaveral. We take it with us almost every time. So, um, you know, just it definitely varies. Not everyone is that lucky. Most people do fly into the port. So, you know, we've all done the playing with 50 pounds at the check-in desk and moving things from one piece of luggage to the other. At and, the airport. Yeah, that's that's, you know... That's kind of the norm. So, um, but those are the things that, oh, one thing that is also, it's kind of random, but if you have room or you want to take it, I like to take foaming hand soap with us um, so that I don't have to use a bar of soap to wash my hands. Is that something that's necessary? Absolutely not. 
Um, but I did take it to Norway too. So I, I was able to, to get it across the pond. I just like to be able to wash my hands with a pump and that may be dumb, but that's something that I like. Isabel? Another thing you should bring, you can use a key to the world for this, but you need electricity for your room and you can't just turn the lights on. You need to put a card, a little slot by the bathrooms in the, on the Dream and Fantasy. And so we have a card that we put a magnet on so it can stick to the wall and it's an empty gift card. Surprisingly, it's Disney Cruise Line. And we pop it in the slot, and when we're out of the room, we just stick it on the wall. That is handy just because it's just right there. I mean, you could stick anything in that little card slot, but, you know, we found we threw a magnet on a card one time, and, you know, that just makes it very easy. We've also kind of left old gift cards ajar in that slot where they're not connected, and our stateroom host has removed that card and, you know, put it over on the counter so it wasn't, uh, you know, easy just to walk into the room and slide the card in because, you know, Disney gives you the lanyards at check-in, so you're putting probably a lot of people are putting their key to the world card in the lanyard, and you can just tap your card on the... Uh, reader to get in the door so it's an extra step to just pull that card out to uh, put it in the slot and we found once we added a magnet and just stuck it to the uh, wall there the stateroom host never bothered it anymore it was always just right there when we needed it uh, without having to go look around or dig out a card out of our pockets or wherever it was uh, it's I know it's pretty basic there's many ways around it the little hang tag the do not disturb card it all works this just, you know, from our experience, this has worked the best for us. Uh, I mean, now that we've talked about the things that we really, you know, found useful to take and that we, the one thing you really need to check over is you need to go to Disney Cruise Line's website and I'll put a link to the page, but you need to look over their prohibited items list and I'm not going to just give a blanket statement on what everything is because, as with anything, this is a, a dynamic list that Disney can modify at any time. And it's pretty good, you know, to go through just to make sure you don't have any of these items. I mean, I've highlighted a couple of the items that you may not think about, but, uh, I mean, earlier this year, Disney, Disney as a whole kind of banned guns throughout the theme parks. Um, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, you can't buy the, you know, fake muskets. The Star Wars guns, to some extent, you can't get. Uh, you can still get lightsabers and stuff, but, you know, all those toy guns, like for Pirate Night that you might have had, uh, those are now uh, part of the prohibited items. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to bring sport equipment, but you can bring golf clubs because there are port adventures and there are, you know, there are there is the possibility to get in a round of golf, depending on where you're cruising to. Uh, though you can bring golf clubs as long as they're stored in your stateroom. Uh, you know, one of the things Disney has on here, you cannot bring drones. So, well, even... Oh, no. That's on their list of prohibited items? You cannot bring drones? Yes. 
That's the greatest thing I've ever heard today. Remote-controlled helicopters, airplanes, drones, or similar devices. Scott, leave your drone at home. <laughs> I wish I had one. <laughs> I, I kind of pointed this out because drone photography is kind of, you know, one of those emerging uh, things right now. I mean, it's just something to point out if you're, you were thinking about taking, like, a drone to go photograph in a port, like, along a beach or something. Uh, as of now, the, it's on the prohibited item list where they won't even allow you to take it on the ship. Other uh, prohibited items include uh, electronical appliances. Uh, most notable ones are, you know, electric irons and uh, portable steamers. So, you know, many people have attempted to take on you know, they're kind of like handheld travel steamers where you can kind of just steam your luggage or, you know, as you unpack your clothes, you can kind of steam your uh, clothes right on the hanger. Uh, those are also part of the prohibited items and they'd be taken away, taken out of your luggage and returned at the end of the cruise. Um, you know, there are irons available in the laundry rooms. They're not as convenient. And there's also laundry. You can send it off. But, you know, if you pack those, you know, probably be taken away uh, you know one of the items we have on the uh, list are of things to pack on the general list that I we mentioned earlier are uh, air fresheners to kind of like throw in the closet or you know some sprays for the restroom uh, as part of the prohibited items are candles and incense obviously because that would be an open flame uh, the other thing is you know, with the very maritime cruises and the Halloween cruises, you know, people might want to decorate their rooms. They're actually listing, uh, you know, light strings as prohibited items. Uh, obviously, there's a safety risk. And, you know, something that was never usually, that was more recently added in the last couple of years, but, you know, late 2013, they added surge protectors to the list. Uh, is prohibited items along with extension cords. And, you know, with the, with the uh, surge protectors and extension cords being part of the prohibited item list now, it, it's kind of at a bad time, especially with these ships where there's limited uh, places to plug in. You know, everybody's got their, you know, cameras, chargers, tab you know, there's a lot of stuff plugging in which you want to charge even though you're on a cruise. Or you might not need your electronics. Uh, Plug-in, you know, available outlets in the stateroom do come, become a premium. You know, there are a couple solutions such as, you know, you can take, you know, USB chargers that, you know, it's one plug-in. It's got six USB ports on where you can plug multiple devices into one plug. Um, you know, things like that are allowed, you know, or even rechargeable USB battery packs to then charge your devices. Um, you know, there are other options you have to think of now, especially if you're in a travel party with multiple devices that, you know, you want to charge, you got to think about it. One, one thing to note, there is an added USB charger in the stateroom, or I should say there are currently no USB chargers in the staterooms. However, there is one kind of hidden one it has to do with the the plug for the wave phone is actually a usb charger the cable that goes 
from the phone dock to the uh, outlet plug. That's you'll notice you can unplug that, and it's just a USB plug over to the phone. So that is a bonus uh, USB charger for your state. You know, you could plug a USB uh, in there to charge something. But in there. So Scott posed a question today on Twitter about um, questions regarding packing. And so we're going to field some of those questions now. So um, Eric Oppengard, EOP on Twitter wanted to know if laundry on longer cruises was worth it and should he plan on dry cleaning items on board. So I'm going to take the first half and then Scott can take the second half about the dry cleaning. So we pretty much always do laundry on board. Um, We have stopped doing it on a three or four night cruise, but on a longer than that cruise we do. And the reason being is I actually find it easier to put away clean clothes then have to come home and do a mound of laundry. So on, for example, our cruise coming up, which is seven nights, I, I'm sure that we will do laundry. Um, you know, if anything, it's helpful to be able to wash undergarments, bras, underwear, swimsuits, those kind of things. Um, but I really enjoy um, just doing that and, and putting away clean clothes. It's not that bad because unlike home, you have multiple washers and multiple dryers. So you can do lights and darks at the same time. Now, Scott is kind of the one that has been tasked with going down and completing the laundry. So I'll let him chime in, and then he can also talk about dry cleaning. I can tell you there have been situations in the laundry rooms where, you know, I thought it was about to get real. If people it becomes a little cutthroat down there at peak times when it gets really busy. And, you know, at that point in the cruise where, Oh, we need to do some laundry. The best advice I can give is to set a timer, pay attention. You know, when you set your laundry and it shows there for it's a 40 minutes, set your alarm for like 35 minutes. And once it goes off, make sure you're headed towards the laundry room. So you can, you know, check on your laundry and move it to the dryer or, you know, if it's in the dryer, you can get it out. Or if it's still wet, you can throw it in for another cycle. I, you know, people will come in the laundry room. You know, they'll kind of sit there. They'll steam. They'll look for an opening. You know, if there's a lo- if there's a washing machine that, you know, they've determined that they've stared at long enough and it's still full and nobody's come to, you know, move those clothes to the dryer, they'll throw And, and that out. may be 45 seconds if they deem that right. it's long enough. I mean, I'm not kidding. Last summer in Europe, it was a little cutthroat at times. And, you know, people are just going to do what they want because unless they're caught in the act, it's a, you know, nobody sees them do it. And and let me just make a note real quick. There are lots of different reasons why people do laundry on board. When we went on our 11-night cruise, we were tasked with, for the first time, trying to fly overseas and trying to pack for a cold-weather cruise which is not something that the Sanders family was used to doing. So we depended on laundry um, in order to kind of get us through so that we could reuse some of the things. So everybody has different reasons for doing laundry, but we kind of had to do it to clean clothes. Um, So, you know, we wouldn't have had enough to wear on the cruise. And I imagine there are people that do that for the Caribbean and, and such as well. So, you know, if your packing is restricted, I mean, if we have the... 
you know, if we're restricted and we take our own snorkeling equipment, as we just found out, that takes up a third of our monster suitcase. So, you know, if we have to adjust packing needs and, and launder as appropriate, we're definitely going to do that. So watch out for the cutthroat launderers. Yeah, just be vigilant with your laundry. You know, I found, I set a timer on my phone. You know, I, I plan to do it during, like, downtime where we're just on the ship, where I know I'm, you know, I'm going to essentially be free or whatever I'm doing, I can stop what I'm doing and just walk off and, you know, you kind of, it's whatever time works for you, but also when you're doing that thing, don't throw a load in and then hot it off to dinner because chances of walking into the laundry room and seeing your clothes on the table or on the ground are pretty high at that point if you leave them for a couple hours. Early in the morning is a super good time and a super bad time are sea days. The other part of that question was about dry cleaning. I've personally found the dry cleaning prices on board are cheaper than what I've I, I found locally to get my stuff done. So I always, you know, you know, get. It's a great time I found to get a my suit or tuxedo dry cleaned because it's ridiculously cheaper than what I'd pay on land. Of note, Scott actually has a jacket and pants ready to get dry cleaned on our next cruise. <laughs> True story. So, um, EOP also wants to know if he should pack a day bag and what's in it on the first day. So, um, we all have some opinions on that. Um, for us, we typically do not pack a day bag unless we are on a three or a four night cruise. Every, I think we've done it a couple times on the fantasy, but not usually. So, um, you're talking about a day bag for things, you know, to have accessible for once you get on the ship. Yes. Before your luggage arrives. Right. So if you're on a three-night cruise, you know, you... If you're on a three-night cruise, you are typically... You're very limited. It's a three-night cruise, but it's not full days. So, you know, you want to get on board, eat lunch, and maybe hit the pools or hit the pools and then go eat lunch, depending on what your schedule is. So... There have, we've just done it a couple times, but, you know, you could either wear your swimsuit on board or take your swimsuit in the day bag. Um, you want to make sure you have sunscreen in there if you're going to do that. You want to make sure that you have a hairbrush, you know, things of that nature. So if you're going to plan on doing pool activities when you board the ship, you need to be prepared for that. So that's what you put in the day bag. For us, um, our carry-ons are comprised of Scott's usually got his computer and his photo equipment. Um, so that's usually what Scott has. And then we take the, um, you know, what the requirements are for alcohol are. So, you know, you can take two bottles of wine or a six pack of beer and certainly make sure you check the, um, restrictions before your cruise. That's the current restrictions as of today, um, June 10th, 2016, but that's what it is. So Scott will have his computer equipment and his camera bag and his six pack of beer. And I will have, you know, a book to read, two bottles of wine and what have you. Isabel, do you want to talk about what you put in your um, day bag or carry on? Sure. Because Isabel does get to take and pack her own. Well, I'm going to go with some standard things that I pack. I usually bring a 
notebook or coloring book. And then you have to have some color pencils, crayons, or markers to go with that. Absolutely makes sense. Totally. Yep. Agree. I bring books. Books to read, to read, right? Yes. Books to read. I usually bring a flashlight. Flashlight. I can't say it right. Very smart. Sometimes in That's the very... We found that to be very helpful in the staterooms. Yeah. But sometimes over the pull-out bed... Not the pull-out bed. What is the it? The bunk bed? No, the couch. What's the couch called? The sofa, the sofa, pull out couch. Yeah, the converse. Oh, the pull out couch. couch. And the um, bunk bed, there are a light. But you can still use the flashlight if you don't want to use that light. Yeah, I agree with the flashlight. I think that's a great, that's a great bring. And stuff I usually bring, I usually bring some stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. Usually two or three. Mm-hmm. Or two and two tiny ones. Mm-hmm. And I usually bring some rainbow loom. Yep, so you can make your bracelets. So just something to note about Isabel. Isabel does not have uh, an electronic device. She does not own an iPhone or an iPad. So um, she has some things that she uses to kind of keep her busy when she's not in the kids club uh, or doing something active with us, such as swimming or, you know, in the new ships, putt-putting or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, but we do try to do things as interactive as we can. And, you know, there, there is of course some movie watching on the ships as well. So we, we do do that, but that's why Isabel has her own carry on that she packs and she also rolls it with her. So she's been bringing it with her since she could. And I do have an iPod though. Right. Do you do have your music? So I do have to bring headphones. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, is there anything you want to add to the day bag question? Yes. In terms of what you pack is your in your carry-on, it kind of this is dependent on what you have, you know, individual case by case thing. But look at what you're packing uh, in your check luggage and think: Are there any items that I'm packing in the check luggage that I can't replace or valuable to me? You know, specific prescription medications. What if you're not reunited with that checked baggage? Would there be something that would cause a problem? I mean, for instance, it's not, I mean, just as recently as the westbound Panama Canal cruise, uh, the baggage handlers at the Port of Miami dropped luggage, you know, into the water at the port. And, you know, the Disney Wonder was unable to leave the dock on time, you know, was delayed leaving the dock because that family and, you know, officials had to scramble to replace prescription medication that that family had in a suitcase that went into the water. Uh, you know, that's, you know, kind of the worst case situation. But, you know, if something were to happen and, you know, kind of like if you're flying, if that bag just disappeared. Uh, I hate to say worst case like that, but, you know, you know, pack that stuff in your carry-on, things that you can't replace, aren't easy to replace, or, you know, you don't want to be left in a situation where the start of your cruise is a nightmare, you know, because you've lost something important. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be gloom and doom, I'm just trying to be realistic, just so you're not in a situation, especially with prescription medications, uh, obviously, depending on where you're going, you know, if you're, Leaving on a Saturday, how hard is it to find a, you know, get that to the local 
pharmacy and to get refilled and all that, you know, all that, all those jumps you'd have to go through. So it's something to consider when you're packing. Do we have any other questions? Um, Eric's last question is he wanted to know how he charges all his devices since you're not allowed to bring on the surge protector. And I know you kind of touched on this earlier, but is there anything specific that you recommend? Yeah. And that, in fact, at WDW underscore Ben brought it up too. Uh, it was the USB charger. It's not a, think of it as like a USB hub, but it's just like a single, you know, charger where you plug it in and then it provides, you know, up to like, you know, some cases like six USB ports to uh, charge your item. You know, you can charge up to six USB items at once. An item like that is a great way for, you know, your stateroom to charge their many USB devices at the same time, you know, just utilizing one outlet. Uh, without that, they're... Other options would be, you know, get one of those, you know, higher capacity USB battery batteries that you could use to recharge items. I mean, those, you know, we've got a couple that could recharge an iPhone like, you know, four or five times on one single charge. And then you could just charge that up while you're out on the day or something, have that. Um, but if you're a regular traveler, you're probably, you know, already versed in how you're keeping your devices charges charged but i think the best thing you can do for charging multiple usb devices is get one of those little gadgets that you know you can charge many at the same time with one you know only utilizing one electrical outlet in addition to that bonus usb plug uh for the wave phone if you're not you know if you don't need to charge that wave phone at that time and scott you can link some examples to that in the show notes right yeah Okay, so M at Grim Grinning wants to know, what are the top packing mistakes and are there things you have brought that you've realized you should have left at home? Um, for me, the top packing mistake, and I think this still gets us, is overpacking. So um, I, I think our first couple seven-night cruises, I don't know what I was packing for. We had bathing suits for every day. We had outfits for every day. We had comfy clothes we had dinner clothes I mean you when you just drive to the port you really take things for granted and I think that that is something that um, we try not to we still overpack a little bit but we don't overpack as much so I think that's important as far as things that I wished that we had left at home I don't think that I have come across that I always find something that I actually want to add to the packing list or modify then um, left at home. I'm to the point where I can, you know, on the seven, 11 night cruise, I can get away with two pairs of dress shoes where it used to be, you know, having fancy things for all these things. So Isabel, is there anything that you ha have brought that you wish you should have just left at home? Nope. Scott? I would say it's just, I've brought too many clothes that I don't use. I mean, but they sound good at, you know, it seems like you're taking the appropriate amount of stuff when you're packing, but in reality, you just never get around, you know, it's more than you need, you really need. Uh, right. I mean, for instance, we packed last night 
for our cruise next week, and I'm sure we've I overpacked in the things I took and what I'll end up wearing. But I mean, I mean, for example, I brought you know we brought extra bathing suits, but the reason why I do that is part of the reason is again because we can, but you know if it's not dry from the night and you don't want to put on a wet suit the next day or you know it, it's just easier to have another one with you so uh, i mean it, there's probably a little overpacking but i know that we've pared down what we have before so i i guess what i'm saying is i can't think of anything that you know has been on a list that or you know we've seen on you know there there are hundreds of oh i can know. tell you one thing is bug spray I remember looking at the first, for the first few cruises that we went on, uh, you know, things on the list and, you know, one of the things to pack was bug spray. Well, for us, we're, of course I brought it, it was on the list, but you're not really in any cruise ports past dusk and uh, this was just not something that, you know, we thought to, you know, that we needed you know, in light of the Zika virus with the mosquitoes, I mean, I just, bug spray was one of the things that, but once, once we went on a couple of cruises and we remedied that situation, we kind of knew that, hey, we're not even in port past five o'clock. So what's the point of even having it? I mean, again, I, I don't think there's any, there's been anything that, you know, I was going to say there's countless of packing lists, you know, for this, that you know, this cruise, there's, it, and at the end, it really comes down to what works for your individual traveling party, what works for you. There's no such thing as a universal packing list that we've, you know, I've looked at different lists and, you know, everybody does something differently. Everybody, you know, prepares differently. So all these lists that you'd find online are just kind of guide, starting point guides uh, to kind of then modify to what works for you. So aside from overpacking, you know, just like say casual clothes for around the ship during the day or something, or I can't really think of anything that I used to pack that I don't pack because, you know, I didn't really need it for myself. So we had two people um, ask us a, a similar question. Sarah Olsom at Math and Music on Twitter and Tom Sands at TR Sands both wanted to know if we used or recommended packing cubes. I had never heard of them until today. So, um, I mean, I can't say that we recommend them because we have we have never used them. Um, Scott, thoughts? No, I'm in the same boat. Uh, the day I kind of had to look up what packing cubes were. Um, and I'm not sure, I think we, I think we're kind of at the point now where we have a process, a little behind the scenes on how we go about packing. We have our, you know, we determine how we're getting to the port, whether it be, you know, are we driving? Do we have the luxury of taking our big suitcase, uh, kind of the overpacking way? Are we flying to a port where we have to be more restrictive on what we take? Uh, and the temperature. Yeah. So, but. We essentially just kind of stage everything on our bed of what we're taking is a family, you know, <laughs> Isabel, just everything we're going to pack, like outside of essentially our carry-ons. Um, and then we just kind of pack the bag accordingly, you know, 
Emily doesn't have her own bag. And we don't have our own bags. That's just, we all just kind of work out of, you know, the main, you know, we take the suitcases and we pack, you know, sh throw the shoes in one. I mean, we just kind of fit it all together. Uh, and that works for us. Will that, will that work for everybody? Probably not. But it, over time, we found that that way of packing works for us. And in kind of a way, it's, it helps us, you know, pack smarter. And I think we end up taking less in terms of kind of that check luggage because, you know, Isabel doesn't have her own suitcase with her stuff and then all this empty space in it. Uh, oh, you we know, used to have. I remember yeah, that. We essentially are maximizing, the, you know, all the available space within the suitcases. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just work. It's just our process. We find it easy that way. That's how we are because we're the kind of people when our luggage arrives at the stateroom, uh, even if it's on a three night cruise, we unpack our luggage, we hang our clothes in the closet, we use the drawers and we put our suitcases under the bed and we actually just live out of the room, not out of our suitcases. And, you know, that kind of gives us the more immersive experience, I guess, but it's a little easier than digging through suitcases every time you need something. Again, I know that's not for everybody, but you know, that kind of, that plays into our packing style where we just kind of all use the same, you know, we share suitcases and pack kind of similar things together uh, as a whole rather than individual suitcases. And that you know. kind of leads us to our next question where Sarah Olson um, had another question and so did um, Josh to BA um, at J O S T U B A. Um, both of them, wanted to know they're still not sure what to pack for formal and semi-formal night and then you know what do you pack for formal night so um this leads into that because the first bag that we pack is a garment bag and it's one of those bags that you know lays out and then folds over so we can pack you know long pants suits dresses into that without them having to be folded. And I've seen a lot of travel and leisure articles and all kinds of other things about how to pack a suit and how to pack. But a garment bag just happens to work for us. So we are old school. We do dress up on the cruise. Um, we Isabel takes a dress for every night. Um, we, we dress up for main dining. Again, that's just how we choose to do our cruising. Um, Scott takes a suit for semi-formal night and for Paulo and takes a tux for formal night and for Remy. And even when we went on an 11-night cruise and um, flew across the Atlantic to Europe, Scott still found room to take his tux. So that just happens to be something that that is important to us. So, In terms of, you know, what you should wear on semi and formal night, semi-formal and formal night, wear whatever you want. You know, Disney essentially relaxed the dress code. You know, even on formal night, there'll be people, you know, Enjoy. in less than cruise casual. It doesn't matter. You know, I, whether you like it or not, the situation is people are going to wear what they want. And if you're trying to, you know, fit in, you're just going to forget it. Wear what you want. If you, if you want to dress up, dress up. If you don't want to dress up, don't dress up. If so, don't. If you're concerned about being overdressed, I mean, that's, you know, something. Yeah. Melissa Fox um, at a little WDW Magic made a comment that she packed her hubby a full suit, but he was overdressed compared to most on formal night and that most ladies had cocktail dresses. 
uh, again, that certainly varies. Uh, there are a lot of people that like to dress up. I personally like to see the military men in their, you know, dress um, uniforms. And people like to use that as a photo opportunity. So there'll be a lot of people that that's when they take their formal family photos. So in terms of, you know, dressing on semi-formal night and formal night, it's whatever you want. I mean, whatever you're comfortable with. I wouldn't let what other people are doing impact you if, if you want. It's how you want to go out to dinner with your uh, traveling party. I think that's about the best way to say it. The next question comes from Angela Hicks, and she wants to know about packing beach toys versus buying them on Castaway Key. Well, we got a set from Costco that we like, but I don't really bring it anymore. And I also have a set from Castaway Key. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you want some cool like little sand molds, get the Castaway Key one because it has some. I think it has to do with how much luggage space you have because the sand toys Isabel from Casto- from Costco, it's a essentially a pail that has all the toys that live in the pail, right, with mm-hmm. like a, a sand uh, screen on the top. And we, since, uh, again, we drive to the port, we have room for that. But not everybody has that. So uh, certainly you save money when you bring your own from home and that that set that the warehouse clubs have is an awesome and very inexpensive set. But if they want to buy them from Castaway Key, they should expect to spend about $20. And, it, you know, it's not as big. It doesn't come with a big pail, but it does include sand molds and molds of the ship. So that's kind of a to each, to each their own. So the next question uh, is from Tom Sands. And Tom, I think we kind of answered a couple of these. Um, the current rules for bringing alcohol on board is one six-pack um, or two bottles of wine per person. Um, he asked about packing cubes, which we talked about, and then tips on items to carry on, which we, um, we talked about as well. So, you know, those things definitely vary per person and, and destination and things like that. But Scott made a good point, medications camera things of that nature i guess it should point out about the alcohol policy that that's per port so say i bring i can bring in six can six cans of beer at port canaveral on embarkation day when i go to saint thomas saint john i can go and the local store and get another six pack and bring back on because that's a you know new day new port kind of thing same thing in Tortola. Um, Should be getting your six-pack at St. John Brewer's is what you're saying. Probably. So Rhonda Smith-Tilly at Dr. Rhonda Smith wants to make sure that your listeners know to check their prohibited items list because they confiscated her steamer, so her formal night was wrinkled and it was too late to get pressed on board. So that is another good thing to make sure you check the prohibited items list. And then Mary Pat Rooney at MP underscore Rooney um, was asking about an iPod dock in the staterooms. Scott, do you want to talk about this? The uh, just found out today they're still on the fantasy. They're the they're the like the uh, generic version of the old iHomes, but they're the thirty pin adapters, old thirty Apple thirty pin adapters or uh, 
docs uh, on the magic and I know they're gone they were pulled out and probably on I believe on the uh, wonder as well they're gone and do you remember having the alarm clock on the dream? No, it wasn't. And it was not in the dream. So I, th no, I know Disney Cruise Line's website talks about having iPod docks in the uh, staterooms. That's not the case, and they're definitely not the newer Lightning docks. If you're uh, looking for a way to charge your phone, definitely bring your own. Or if you're looking for a speaker for your music, bring your own. For the stateroom. All right, Constance Presley at H I C O N I P wants to know if self um, disembarkation is feasible with a large suitcase or more suited to carry on size. I mean, it's if you have, if you can carry it by yourself or you know roll the luggage by yourself, then it's fine. Uh, we've done it. We've had, yeah, I think Emily and I both were rolling two suitcases at one point. One ahead of me, one behind yeah, me. Yeah, it's pull. really the only extra, because what happens when you're doing the express checkoff, you're taking your luggage from your stateroom off of the ship back into the terminal. So in the case of like Port Canaveral, the only time, the only extra luggage handling you have is that trip from your stateroom down into the terminal. Because once you are back in the terminal, you're in the luggage area uh, where you, then you go through customs. So you're not really adding that much in terms of luggage handling. You know, you have the elevators on the ship to go up and down with your luggage. That does, depending on what time you're trying to use the elevator, that could be problematic. But since you're doing early checkoff, that shouldn't be an issue. And then there are escalators and elevators in the Port Canaveral terminal, terminal as well to get your luggage. Uh, and, and once you're downstairs, you're, that's the spot where you pick up your luggage anyway. So, I mean, if you're, if you're comfortable and you have enough people to, you know, roll all the luggage that you have, then it, do, you know, it really doesn't matter. Because, you know, once you get down into the terminal, you can then, you know, if you want you know, get a porter to help you out the rest of the way if you kind of, you know, had enough carrying it yourself or you realized you've gone too far. They are there at that point to assist you to wherever you're going next, whether it be a car, you know, transportation or a bus. Uh, Our last question comes from Walt's Frozen Head. And he wants to know if a frozen head can be a carry-on. And for a follow-up question, what are the cold storage options? Well, Walt's frozen head. That's a very good question. There are, uh, what do they call them? Free <laughs> cooling boxes? Ooh. I, I struggle to call them stateroom refrigerators. There are, there are some refrigerators sprinkled throughout, but more or less they're cooling boxes. Uh, if you want anything actually frozen, you're going to have to inquire with your stateroom host for a bucket of ice or maybe talk up Elsa and Olaf. It's funny. Walt's Frozen Head is a, is a pretty funny Twitter account. Small little film coming out soon about, uh, you know, the whole idea of Walt's Frozen Head, you know, the old myth that 
And while Dottie, his head was frozen for future use, I'll give you, I'll put the link. It's waltzfrozenhead.com. The filmmakers are anticipating a spring 2017 release date. It's pretty interesting if you're into that kind of stuff. They did film, you know, on property. There's a trailer that I'll link to. They just made a casting announcement. They cast Ron Snyder, uh, Epcot's original Dreamfinder, in the film. So that was a pretty big announcement this week from them. We actually had one other question that was sent in via email from the Frost family in Lincoln, England. Is there anything that we specifically pack for a day at Castaway Key? I would say in terms of specifically pack, it would kind of just, that would fall under probably the sunscreen. I would say when Isabel was younger... We definitely took the sand toy bucket. Um, Isabel and I have rash guards for sun protection. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, our castaway key day is pretty much the same. We go to our spot. We kind of hang out. Isabel plays in the sand in the water. We go to lunch. Isabel goes to scuttles while you and I walk around, go to a bar, go to the shops, what have you. Sometimes Isabel goes to that area with the monkey bars in the water. We've rented things before. Uh, I would say she brings her goggles. The, the one thing that we definitely bring on all Caribbean and most Bahamas cruises are our own snorkel equipment. So um, we... That's just something that Isabel, Scott, and I each have our own mask, snorkel, and fins. So we we find that to be, I guess I would put that in our list. We don't always snorkel when we go to Castaway Key, but when we do, we have our own equipment. Isabel, do you have anything to add? No. I would say, I mean, not necessarily a Castaway Key, but this is something that uh, after we packed last night, I saw it in the closet and I threw it on top of the bag. We... Uh, a few years ago, we picked up a, it's a travel-sized beach blanket of sorts. It's uh, made out of ripstop nylon, kind of like tent material that you can put put down on the ground. And it's something we found that's been kind of useful, like if we go to a beach on an excursion anywhere that doesn't have uh, like chairs available or, you know, seating area, it's you know, nice to put down and kind of have a place to sit on the beach. And what is the really nice part about it is because it's made of that ripsot nylon, you pick it up, the sand does not cling to it. Yeah, it's nice. And it folds up into, I don't know, you know, a small little pouch that, you know, it's, it's very light and can just hang from a bag or get stuffed away. It doesn't take up much space. And... We, we found that useful in the Southern Caribbean where we were going to some beaches just to lay that out on the beach and, you know. In, in St. John when yeah. we went there for 10 days. It was it was one of those things we had gone on a an excursion uh, off, I think off, uh, it was one of our, on our own excursions off of a Disney cruise when we went over to St. John one time. We were at a beach and there was no place to kind of sit down and, you know, we didn't want to use our towels on the beach because then we wouldn't have anything to dry off and we didn't want to be full, have everything full of sand. And we're in a, you know, just a local shop on the island and we saw these hanging there. And I don't know, it was always in my mind. And one day I found it, I think I found it 
think I bought it on Amazon, like Amazon warehouse deal. I think it was only like 10 or 15 bucks for the thing. It was pretty cheap. And now it's kind of the thing we take, throw in our bag if we're going to a beach. Uh, I find really helpful. Again, that's not something you really need a castaway key because there, you know, there are plenty of chairs and places to stay. You know, so you're not having to, you know, essentially camp out on the beach for the day. Uh, back to the uh, email question. The second half of their question was, uh, "Are there any other things that you used to take that you no longer take?" And you know, we just that was part of another question we got on Twitter. So. More clothes. Yeah. I think that about that's going to wrap up our packing for a cruise podcast. Again, this is just kind of some general thoughts, not necessarily the end all be all and what to pack because it really comes down to you. It's just, well, it'll be some links in the show notes to some, you know ideas of things to pack and links to Disney Cruise Line's prohibited item list, which uh, really can change at any time. So just make sure you just kind of look over that uh, right before you cruise, just to make sure you didn't throw anything in there that would get taken away. And, you know, things Disney would take it away, but they'd also return it to you at the end of the cruise. It's not like they confiscate it and, you know, destroy it and you're not getting it back. But... It's just, you know, an inconvenience of sorts if that happens. Uh, But that's it. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. You can connect with the show via the comments on our website, follow us on Twitter at the DCL blog, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Disney Cruise Line blog. Additionally, you can leave us a voicemail with your questions, comments, or feedback on the show by calling us at 321-765-3252.